to another episode of Dog Pound Dish on a Victory Monday. My name is Maliki, and thanks for tuning in. The Browns are 3-1 after beating the Cowboys in a thrilling 49-38 shootout. 3-1, my friends. 3-1. Today's podcast will be recapping the Browns game against the Cowboys, providing deep analysis of the game, as well as looking ahead to the Browns' tough upcoming stretch of games. Sadly, the Cowboys' win did come at a cost of a Nick Chubb injury. It was reported this morning, just 10 minutes ago as of recording, that Chubb has suffered an MCL tear in his right knee, I believe. Yikes. Okay, so this will keep him out of field, on the field, for six weeks. So a possible return date... You're looking at maybe after the bye week, optimistically, against the Texans. Coming back after a bye week, that might be, you know, a a time where you can come back. But man, you really don't like to see that. Chubb did tear his ACL back in Georgia uh, when he was playing in college. And that made his draft board go down because he he has been playing very well these past two seasons. No injuries to report of. And you know, now, now he has an injury. So that's pretty concerning, but... To be honest, when you have a guy like Hunt, who is a top 10 arguably running back, and you have Durness Johnson, who played outstanding, 30 carries for 95 yards, he's excellent, Dontrell Hilliard is excellent, so I'm very confident in that running back room to step up. Chubb is definitely going to hurt, but I have faith in these guys, you know, to, to amend the loss of Chubb, and I think that it will be tough because of how good Chubb is, but I certainly think that the Browns' identity does not need to be changed on, changed on offense just because Chubb is gone. You have a myriad of great running backs, so you don't need to worry. You don't need to hit the panic button. You don't need to change your scheme. It definitely hurts, but you've got capable guys backing him up. Other Browns injury news, Larry Ogunjobi has, you know, something wrong with his oblique. He's going to undergo an MRI just to check that up. It could be of concern. Larry Ogunjobi had some couple strong start, and then he's kind of not done so great so far. So maybe that's due to a lingering injury. We'll see. But of course, we'll keep you updated on Dog Pound Dish with any further developments on that. Also of note, David Njoku will be returning from IR, so you could see his return against the Colts on Sunday next week. So that's good news. So, enough talk about the injuries. Let's get right into the analysis of the very exciting game that the Browns-Cowboys game was. So let's start off with the running game. So I thought that the running game was excellent. You have OBJ, who had two end-arounds, one that potentially saved the game, and then he also had another one, uh, blocking by Harrison Bryant. So OBJ really stepped up in this game. He contributed everywhere, and you could see that just generally he had you know, a leader attitude. And I think that that's something that this Browns offense might have been lacking because you do have Baker, who is a leader in his own right. But, you know, you want to see after, especially after last year, you wanted to see some unity in leadership. And I think that OBJ, he's often regarded as immature with because of his tenure with the Giants, but he really can be a great leader if you really, you know, give him a solid system to play behind. And he had five catches for 81 yards and two touchdowns. Wow. So he had really a crazy game. He probably should have had another pass. that should have been caught, but we'll talk about that later, of course. But he really played excellent. OBJ, you know, 
in this scheme, he was thought to maybe have less of a role because it, it was a run-heavy scheme, and you thought maybe, huh, maybe he might, you know, not love this because he's not going to be producing. Well, that's certainly not the case. He has 236 yards receiving and three touchdowns receiving as well to go along with 16 catches through four games. So not at all a bad start to OBJ that in an offense that has Chubb, Hunt, Hooper, Bryant, Landry, Njoku, and himself. I mean, this is a lot of mouth. There's a lot of mouths to feed, and he's producing adequately. And I really look forward to seeing if he can continue to blossom into that true number. And he has the talent, no doubt, to be a number one receiver. But can he produce that way? And that's what I'm interested to see. And then with the running game as well, you know, continuing on that thing, Dernas Johnson was probably the sneaky star of the week for the Browns because 13 carries, 95 yards. He potentially is a second-string running back for an NFL team. I don't know if he, you know, he can develop into the number two running back behind Nick Chubb and Hunt due to how fact—well, now he will get a chance— but he just is such a talented running back that his vision and his athleticism to evade tackles, you know, when he's got three feet, it's excellent. And I think he's a smaller back, uh, not quite the size of Hunt. I, th- I would say he's a little bit smaller, but generally, you know, same style. Like, he's got some power, but he's definitely more agile, uh, even though Nick Chubb is agile. But he, you have a really quick guy, right? Very fast. And a speedy kind of receiver, kind of like a Kamara, but Dernis Johnson doesn't have the receiving skills, of course. But as a pure runner, I really saw some huge flashes from him. He could be a producer on this offense, a breakout player, because you know he he, he you can't you can't talk about Dernis Johnson in this Browns running back room because he's not going to get any attention from the media. I mean, now he might, but you know you have Chubb and Hunt. Nobody wants to talk about Johnson. And he also has an incredible story. Apparently, he was fishing for mahi-mahi before he landed an NFL gig. So this guy, I mean, to go from fishing and then to go to being a lead producer on this Browns offense, stepping up, you know, getting called off the bench when, you know, your star running back goes on, the, the, probably the, the epitome of the Browns offense, and now you go and replace him. And... He played very, very well. I'm really impressed. I think that you've got a really deep running back room, and I think Dernis Johnson is obviously your third running back behind Hunt. Now he's your second. And so I'm, that's partially why I'm not so sad about Chubb getting injured. Like, of course, I'm, I, I think it will hurt immensely, but I'm not as depressed, <laughs> per se, or I'm not as worried because I know that there are guys that can back them up. And I'm not just trying to talk myself into this. I mean, he did have almost 100 yards on the ground. And I know the Cowboys defense didn't necessarily have to prepare for him, but he produced. And I really think that he can be a very good running back in this league, and I'm looking forward to seeing if he can continue this production, of course, you know, for the extended time that Chubb will be missing. And then the running game was excellent, but let's talk about the offensive line. (laughs) Man, the offensive line... I mean, I could have, I mean, all respect to these running backs, but like, I would have averaged about five yards a carry running behind that offensive line. I mean, they were mauling dudes all over the place. You have Jedrick Wills, who's really, you know, he's doing a great job sealing off those front side, you know, the front side of run games towards the strong side of the formation. 
And then you have, you know, your guards, like Wyatt Teller, who had a 96 PFF grade and is the highest grade graded guard in for, 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 for football focus. He is just excellent. And you, you think, well, you know, John Dorsey, he's not our GM anymore. And, you know, he made some questionable decisions. But, you know, he... he he had quite the draft class in 2018, landing Chubb, Mayfield, uh, what, who else? He landed Greedy in 2019, and then he also got Denzel in 2018. So, I mean, he, he he's a great drafting GM, I think. He also landed Patrick Mahomes. I think he can really do well in the draft. He also had that Wyatt Teller trade. Now, that looks like a bargain, <laughs> acquiring him for a couple of late-round picks. So, anyway, going back to Wyatt, Wyatt Teller, that trade... You, you, you can say whatever you want to say about John Dorsey, but you got to give the man credit for landing that trade. I mean, he has been incredible. His pass blocking is definitely not a liability. It's not a strength, but it is certainly above average. But his run blocking, I mean, man, he just, he can hold on to dudes and just, you know, let these running backs just run straight. I mean, they don't need even, when you have White Teller, especially pulling, I mean, it's just like a big train running down. I mean, you you just follow him. It's it's really funny because you see these running backs like Chubb, and especially on the Washington run, you can just see how much trust they have in him. Whiteteller is big also. He is, I mean, he's not necessarily the biggest guard physically, but he, when you see him, he looks big. And all offensive, all offensive linemen are big. But it's just his demeanor is so, like, big, you know? He just, he has unrelenting physicality when he's pulling. And you can see it. That Washington rush, he just, whether it's a linebacker, you know, a defensive end, an edge rusher, even a cornerback, I mean, help the cornerback that's about to get, you know, mauled by White Teller, but I mean, he goes after everyone. And he is a silent, not silent anymore, but you know, he's really a contributed contributor in that run game. And you, overall, you got to give that offensive line a lot of credit. J.C. Treader, the second-graded center in P per PFF. Jack Conklin is playing excellent at right tackle. Jedrick Wills is showing some rookie growing pains, but he sure looks like he is worth the 10th uh, overall pick in April's draft. So really, huge credit to this offensive line. And then also in the passing game, they have protected Baker extremely well. Very few pressures allowed by them. You can see Baker is week by week trusting his offensive line more. He's not getting happy feet and just rolling out of pockets, which is something that I was critical of, of Baker Mayfield, that he would, you know, have a clean pocket and then he would just roll out. And you saw that in 2019. You saw that to begin the year in 2020 because he just didn't trust his offensive line, which is not necessarily his fault. I mean, now it's his fault if he continues to do it, but you can see he's a lot more calm in the pocket. And for Baker Mayfield, one of his strengths, supposedly, is his ability to be calm under pressure. And he's excellent rolling to his right. I mean, no matter how much you hate Baker, you can't say anything about it. He's he's elite rolling out to his right and throwing the ball. But what you wanted to see was him grow as a pocket passer. Not that he can't throw in the pocket like maybe Lamar or, you know, maybe Josh Allen. Last year, of course, now that Josh Allen's looking incredible. But in the sense that he can be comfortable in the pocket and not have to improvise everything, you know? Like, he can he can give, he can, he can produce in what's given to him. He doesn't need to, you know, go all Russell Wilson all the time. And that's, that's, that's a critique that I had of him and many others had of him. 
And you saw that now that the offensive line is getting better. He seems to be more calm. He is not putting up crazy numbers. I mean, he's thrown 150 yards about twice in a row now. So, you know, that's not necessarily a knock on Baker. It just shows, you know, if it's working, why are you going to go away from running the ball? It's working perfectly fine. There's no reason to just stop for the sake of padding Mayfield's stats. I mean, Mayfield is being incredible, incredibly efficient. He has thrown for seven touchdowns and only two picks. So very excellent job by Mayfield. He doesn't complain. He looks like he's just win-now mode. You know, he even he said he would do whatever it takes to win because he was so tired of losing. And you can really see that. And that's what I'm really proud of, you know, of this Browns team. All these players that, you know, you thought maybe they needed to produce in order to be happy, they're all uniting over the common goal to win. And it's working. I mean, the Browns are 3-1. and one. Let's not forget that. So overall, great performance by the offense. I mean, you can't argue with 50 points. I mean, there was a little bit of a lack of, you know, urgency in late in that fourth quarter. God forbid they lost that game. But, I mean, you know, there would have been questions about that offense if they had lost. So I'm really glad that they didn't, of course. We're now 3-1, and one, and the Browns offense looks to be among the league's best. And that is not me, you know, as a Browns fan. That is me as an observer of stats and of football. You can look at this Browns offense and see the rhythm and the consistency in Kevin Stefanski's scheme. And that what that's what makes me so hopeful for this Browns team. And why I have that's why I have playoff expectations for the Browns and why I find it very realistic to expect them not to win their division, but to definitely make get a wild card spot. This Browns offense is humming and it looks to get more dangerous every single week. Unfortunately, I can't say the same thing about the defense. Okay, so even though even though the Browns the the, the Browns defense held the Cowboys to 14 points through the three quarters, and it, they looked excellent. They had forced turnovers, besides a couple of bad plays that allowed touchdowns, especially that C.D. Lamb touchdown that was allowed by Andrew Sandejo. And trust me, we have a a special on Andrew Sandejo for you guys. So stay tuned for later that in the podcast. But yes, this Browns defense, it showed up. Miles Garrett, he got a strip sack, although he was on an undrafted free agent right tackle. But nonetheless, huge game out of him. And just generally, this Browns defense, it, it's flying to the ball. You, you forced three turnovers on the game. One was in garbage time. But, you know, the, the thing is with this defense, and why I'm a little concerned, to be completely frank, I feel that, you know, they struggle to make stops when they need to. And although the offense should have kept some drives going, they went three and out too many times, you have to expect your defense to make... I mean, the Cowboys just rolled down the field twice. Just twice, they just rolled down the field. You knew that as soon as the Cowboys started, you're like, well, this is a touchdown. And that's what almost costed us the game. And do you know how how much, you know, how much we would have been made fun of if we didn't win this game, I mean, come on. We were up 41-14. to 14. So, yes, the defense, it performed adequately, but I expect more. I expect more consistency. I expect more, you know, rhythm. And, and just to be able to make stops when it is fourth, the fourth quarter, you need to stop. You need to stop this offense. You need to completely take the soul out of their, you know, a team. And not to sound evil, but that's what you need to do. And I think that this defense, it, it looks good. It does. It's not 
the Browns' strength, but it's going to get better week by week. Hopefully, you know, when you got Greedy Williams back and you get guys 100%, then you'll see a little bit more. But 500 yards by Dak Prescott and four touchdown throws, I mean, man alive, this secondary needs help. So, now our feature special on Andrew Sendejo. Okay, so, look, Andrew Sendejo, he did force that turnover, a crucial turnover that was forced. He did a great job stripping the ball out. Excellent play by him. But he is so bad in coverage. He's just so bad. He, he abides by all social distancing protocols. He's not going to catch COVID from any opposing receiver. I mean, it's it's just ridiculous because you have a, so a, such a promising young secondary, and now you have guys like Ward and Ronnie Harrison and Carl Joseph that that are looking at this guy, you know, just completely blow coverages. That one he left C.D. Lamb wide open, and yes, I know it was a communication error, but it was on his end. I mean, he thought he had help in the middle, and he did not. He just let CD just walk right through to the end zone. And it was a bad throw by Dak, and he still couldn't react and get there in time. I am at this point where I'm almost considering letting go, encouraging for the Browns to go get Earl Thomas. I mean, he's so bad. You you need to... you. I'm not saying you cut him, but you really need... To bench him, you do. Maybe put. I. I. You definitely need to put Sheldrick Redwine. You don't have to go get Thomas yet, but you gotta go put in Sheldrick Redwine. I mean, it's getting a little insane. He was a game captain last uh, against the Cowboys. He just needs to come off the field. I love the guy, but you know, he. He's. He's just. He's just messing up this Browns defense. And the. De- it's so talented, but he's. He's just not. And and you need to. You need to take him off. For the sake of this Browns defense, he's allowed two touchdowns, and he just can't cover anyone. And he does not, he lacks instincts as a free safety, which is something you do not like to see. Bench him, Stefanski. You need to. But nothing really much to say other than that on the defensive side of the ball. Yes, the secondary got teared up. A lot of the yards came in garbage time. Well, not garbage time, but that fourth quarter. Man, that just killed us. The defense needs work, especially in the secondary. But I think we can get there. We held Zeke to less than 50 yards, or about 50 yards. So, adequate performance run defensively wise, but you need some help in the secondary. Pass rush looks stout. Not an area of concern, in my opinion. So, just, I really hope that secondary can get fully healthy and we can really judge, you know, what this Brown secondary looks like and if you need to consider bringing in a guy like Earl Thomas. But,. Overall, the the Browns game against the Cowboys, they just dominated. It was 41 to 17 in the third at the end of the third quarter. A little bit of a scare in the fourth quarter. I was definitely very terrified that we were gonna blow this Falcons style and choke. But OBJ bailed us out on that end around, so that's very pleasing. But yeah, just overall very promising. And I feel like when I when I hear People say that, oh, the Browns are not a playoff team. They're not going to come close to the playoffs. What are you talking? I mean, are you see? I mean, yes, we beat the Bengals and the football team. But, I mean, you know, the Cowboys, they're a legit team. I mean, they were seven points to in, in a fourth down conversion away from beating the Seattle Seahawks. 
I mean, this is no pushover. I mean, they were three points in an offensive pass interference call from beating the Rams. The Browns are for real. They really are. And all this talk about you only beat bad teams is is false. And it's uninformed just talk. And it, it's, it's not... It's, it's really annoying to hear, to be completely honest, because it, it's frustrating because you have such a talented team on both sides of the ball. Yes, Nick Chubb is going to be out. That's going to hurt. But you have Hunt who can back him up. I mean, everywhere you look, there's talent. And then there's execution and stability behind Kevin Stefanski. This is a playoff caliber team. And my message to Browns fans is that you should expect Nothing less than a playoff berth. There is no reason to believe why the Browns should not make the playoffs. In my eyes, the playoff picture is the division winners are going to be the Ravens, the Bills, and the Chiefs, of course, and uh, let's see, what's the other division? And then, oh, that AFC South, where you have the Colts or the Titans, probably. Then your wild card, you have either the Colts or the Titans, probably the Patriots, and then the Browns. And then maybe the Steelers, but the Patriots, you know, the Browns, they are three and one. So yes, it's the AFC is pretty competitive. But this is a playoff team. It is. It is very much a playoff team. If you go ten and six, you are making the playoffs. Because the Patriots are not going ten and six, I can tell you that. The Steelers, they'll probably go ten and six, I would assume. And what, the Titans or the Colts? I don't know if they go ten and six. And the Browns might not even go to... I mean, the schedule gets a little easier going on in the season. So there's no reason not to believe that the Browns are not a playoff team. And they have found... Again, they have an identity now. I don't. We don't even need to say this anymore. It's run the ball, efficient passing, make stops on defense, and turn the ball over on defense. And they, the offense has not turned the ball over in the past two games. So that's great for to see as a Browns fan. You really are glad that Mayfield has been limiting his interceptions as much as humanly possible. But overall, really promising first quarter to start the season. The Browns are a playoff team, nothing less, and a whole lot more. Super Bowl bound. But that'll wrap up this day's episode of Dog Pound Dish. Be sure to subscribe to Dogtown Pound Dish to stay up to date on your Cleveland Browns. Feel free to leave a review with any suggestions or comments you might have. Also, follow us on Twitter, link in the description, to keep up to date on the latest episodes of Dog Pound Dish so you never miss an episode. Leave any mailbag questions under the pinned tweet on our Twitter profile so you can ask questions to get answered on the show. Thanks for listening, and as always, Go Browns!